Alliance is kind of uh, you know, alluding to this morning's and also tonight's message as well, is that uh, we, we will wait until God does that. And what I mean is, is that uh, we, we can't wait for a burden uh, to, for souls to go soul winning. Uh, we, can't, we can't wait for uh, inspiration, uh, if you will, uh, to do many of the things that God wants us to do. He wants us uh, to obey. And even uh, one of the verses that we'll read a little bit later, it's an interesting study, I won't preach on it, but uh, the word obey is in it, where we, um, for those who obey not the gospel. And uh, we know that uh, the gospel is good news and that we think about when we get saved about receiving uh, the good news of the gospel. But the Bible is very clear, talking about the judgment that comes to those that obey not the gospel uh, of the Lord Jesus Christ. And, uh, and so I'll, I'll briefly mention that, but God wants us to obey. He needs us to obey. Uh, he needs us to obey when we don't, we don't want to. And of course, I've illustrated that by, you know, it's like, you know, hey, little Johnny, clean up your room. Well, I don't want, you know, I don't, I don't want to. I'm just not feeling it today, Mom. Uh, you know, it's just, uh, I don't want to clean my room until I'm like totally into it. Uh, and uh, that wouldn't jive uh, with your kids, and it doesn't jive with, uh, with his kids either. Uh, we have to obey him uh, as he, of course, leads and directs in our life. Uh, if you find your way to Matthew chapter number 19, we're going to read a section there. But before we do, uh, I was thinking about uh, the, um, all of the, the statistics uh, that Brother Getch rattled off uh, in one of his messages um, scientific facts about the, the earth and uh, in its rotation and the sun and uh, distances and all the different stuff. Uh, he has a, a, a memory uh, that is a great memory, and he works at that. It's not, you know, he, he does that. He spends, um, he drove from California uh, to like Idaho to here to back to Chicago uh, and just drives around. He prefers to do that and to be alone. Uh, and he, of course, explained that he uh, was that way, introvert. Uh, so uh, in those times, he spends a lot of time, uh, of course, memorizing Scripture. And, uh, and he has the whole, you said, the whole Bible uh, on three-by-five cards uh, that he has put on there and has a, a, a case that uh, he can just take those out and memorize. And, and you notice that, of course, when he was preaching. But when he was rattling off all those, those things, I mean, there's part of me that's like, I want to fact-check it. Like, uh, you know, uh, is that completely accurate? Well, I'm sure that it, that it is. But, uh, but um, when, he, when he did that, the goal or a goal uh, in explaining all those things was for us, the takeaway, to, to realize how great a God we have, how pow- powerful uh, he is, uh, in that uh, you know, little old me or little old you uh, is small and minuscule as we are in the grand scheme of, of the universe and, uh, or universes, uh, that God cares for us and loves us and he knows us and he's numbered every one of our, uh, the hairs on our head and all those different things that he uh, had mentioned. Uh, and so God is a, um, a great God. Now in our text, Uh, In Matthew chapter number 19, we won't read all of this part, but from verse 16 down to verse 22, we have uh, the story of the the rich young ruler, uh, and uh, and he goes to the Lord and uh, and asks what he could do to inherit eternal life. And, of course, God hit him right where 
uh, the rubber meets the road and, and that comes to our finances. And, uh, and he says, I do this and I've obeyed and I haven't stolen and I've not burnt, uh, uh, borne false witness, etc. cetera. Uh, and he says in verse 21, Jesus said unto him, if thou wilt be perfect, go and sell that thou hast and give to the poor and thou shalt have treasure in heaven and come and follow me. And when the young man uh, heard that saying, he went away sorrowful uh, for he had great possessions. And so the Lord is laying out uh, faith and, uh, and uh, you know, what uh, he is supposed to do. And, of course, the Lord knew what his response was going to be. And, and when uh, given uh, that as the answer, uh, he turned away, uh, of course, uh, sad uh, that he couldn't uh, get what he wanted without giving up uh, what he needed uh, to in his life. In verse 23, we'll begin reading, Then said Jesus unto his disciples, Verily I say unto you that a rich man shall hardly enter into the kingdom of heaven. And again, I say unto you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. And when his disciples heard it, they were exceedingly amazed, saying, who then can be saved? But Jesus beheld them and said unto them, with men, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. Now, in the, the context of this, and to explain it just briefly, I've, I've done this before if you're new here or whatever, and maybe it's the first time hearing this, but when, the, uh, the, when God, the Lord Jesus, spoke to people, uh, he spoke, uh, of course, there are many agricultural um, analogies, parables about farmers and soil and uh, its seed and uh, and he always brought the message right to where uh, people needed and understood it. And so when he said things to them uh, in their day and time, in the context with which, uh, in which they lived, uh, they understood it. It takes a little bit more work for us because we, are not, we don't live in that culture back then. Uh, for example, you know, uh, when uh, he says to go the extra mile, uh, they understood that as Jews, if a Roman soldier said, carry my stuff, they by law had to carry it for one mile. Uh, and, uh, and so to go the extra mile for them meant something different uh, than for us. We think about just, you know, putting in a little extra effort or, uh, or whatever we can take from that. But all the Bible written for us, not to us, uh, we find even an example here. So he said, uh, a rich man... In verse 30, excuse me, 23, Verily I send you that a rich man shall hardly enter into the kingdom of heaven. And part of that is, reason is, is because people who are rich with the things of the world um, tend to not be uh, as open to the gospel as other people. Um, when I was in Bible college, for example, I had um, a bus route. Uh, and um, where we would go was in these Adam Street projects, which were... Uh, you know, very poor area of Peoria uh, that was just rampant with uh, drugs and alcohol, gang activity. The vice lords uh, were the ones that ran uh, that part of, of that city, uh, and, uh, and it was really rough. And, but I, hands down, in fact, at one point, um, we had a, some type of an event, an alumni event from the college where pastors had come back in for this week-long um, uh, uh, shindig, uh, and they paired up pastors with Bible college students for sewing and not Saturday. And when we got in the car, um, and I started going, I had a preacher with me, uh, and he said, where are we going? And having been to the college, he knew the area. And so I said, we're going to go on my bus route, uh, and it's down off Adam Street, uh, and, and here's the problem. He goes, he goes, 
Why are we going there? He said, and then he said this, this is the next thing he said. He says, you can't, you can't build a church on those people. And, uh, and I told him to get out and walk back. Uh, and, uh, and so, uh, and I'd do it again today in a heartbeat. It probably wasn't the smartest thing, uh, you know, for me to do as a Bible college student. Uh, but but uh, I could be, when I was 20, um, I realized that that type of mentality was not a scriptural mentality. Uh, a, we don't build a church. God builds the church. Uh, but here's what we do. Uh, knowing that God does build the church, we rest upon that promise and what it's done is it, it's lulled us into um, a laziness and excuse. Because we can always point to that. Uh, well, how come we're not seeing people saved? Or uh, how come the church isn't growing? Uh, and we could, we could go back, well, the Lord builds the church. I just got to be faithful to preach the word of God and get in the pulpit and be right with God and, and, uh, and have faith and just be faithful uh, to the Lord. Uh, but just as I mentioned earlier today that there is a, um, a weird direct correlation between the number of people you'll reach with the gospel and the amount of times you try. And so if you just sit on your couch at home and you want to win uh, Puyallup to Christ, uh, your chances are lower if you stay on your couch. They increase exponentially as you go out and the more you share the gospel, the more people that you'll see uh, come to Christ because God uses us. He said he, the rocks could cry out. Um, but he has chosen uh, to use you and I to spread the gospel, uh, the good news to the people uh, where we live. And so God's placed us here in a church body, fitly joined together, part of the God's grand scheme and for our lives as a, as, a, uh, as a church. And the Great Commission is to reach people. You just, um, it, it, it's, not your, it's not the will of God, the plan of God uh, for you, anyone in our church, to just work a job uh, and, uh, and throw money, tithes, missions, or whatever uh, at, uh, in, at the ministry for somebody else to reach people. Uh, you say, well, I should just stop tithing then. That's not what I'm saying. Uh, keep tithing, keep doing those things. But uh, I don't think it's right for us to pray the Lord um, send forth laborers into his harvest if we're not laboring ourselves. Uh, and, but that's what we do. We, we, you know, we write our missions checks, which we should. Don't stop doing that. Uh, but we feel like we've done what we could, and we're not missionaries uh, on our own street, uh, in our own you know, community. Uh, and that uh, has, has to, uh, to change. And so he said uh, that, uh, you know, uh, or the disciples said, who can be saved? Uh, and he said, with God... Um, all things are possible. And so when he said it's easier for uh, a uh, man, uh, excuse me, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. It's not like an eye of a needle in uh, a, a big camel going through the eye of a needle. Uh, it was that um, at night when they closed up the city uh, and lifted up the, uh, the gates, you know, you think about cities with moats and and things around uh, them. Uh, there are times where maybe there wasn't water, but you couldn't get into the gates. And the only way that you could get in was through the eye of the needle. So there was a narrow pathway in many uh, times that would go up to a small opening uh, or a small door on the side of those, those walls, those security walls, where traffic would have to go through in that night. So it was hard. 
uh, for a camel to go through the eye of the needle. And they said, well, who can be saved? And, and God said, well, um, Jesus beheld him and said, with men this is impossible, with God all things are possible. So it is possible for a camel to go through the eye of the needle. Uh, and, uh, and so when, when he says that to them, they weren't, they weren't thinking, you know, dromedary <laughs> uh, in going through a sewing needle. Uh, they knew uh, exactly what the Lord meant and knew that, yes, it is, in fact, possible for a rich man to be saved because it is, in fact, possible uh, for uh, a camel to go through uh, that gate. So, so even though the Lord was laying out for them, uh, something that was seemingly impossible reminded them that with him uh, nothing is impossible. So we read elsewhere in the Bible, Mark chapter number 10, Jesus looking upon them, verse 27, with, with men it's impossible, but not with God, for with God all things are possible. Uh, at the parallel account in Luke, uh, in 1 verse 37 says, for with God nothing shall be impossible. And, uh, and uh, we can find uh, many places in the Bible, uh, even referenced lately, uh, I think it was Brother Getch, uh, about um, Abraham and Sarah, and, uh, and, uh, or maybe Brother Rasmussen, uh, where, you know, yes, they had uh, Isaac in their old age. Um, but even, I, was, I never even really noticed in all the times I've read those passages, or I've not thought about the fact that they had more, <laughs> he had more children. Uh, and, uh, and later on. And, and so that makes, that makes that story even uh, awesomer, uh, Brother Omley. Uh, and, uh, uh, and so it's, a, um, it's wonderful to see that with God, nothing's impossible. Uh, so from these verses that I just read, this passage, uh, we understand the fact that we serve a mighty God uh, where with him, nothing's impossible. He's, he's almighty, he's sovereign, uh, and I would certainly not wish uh, to attempt to take anything away uh, from that fact concerning our understanding of God, because with Him there is no, there's nothing's impossible with God. Okay, uh, if uh, you think about uh, a marriage that needs uh, fixed or a health issue uh, that needs to be addressed, and uh, somebody's got uh, cancer, we saw uh, uh, on a program uh, the other day or whatever there was somebody who had a two percent chance of living. Uh, with cancer and survived. And, uh, and, uh, and so you think about all the, like right now, you have a 99% chance of survival and we've, we, you know, from COVID and, uh, and we're going crazy. Uh, and uh, 2% uh, fought and battled through. So we know God can do miracles. Someone can have cancer. Uh, their body riddled with it uh, one day and go back for a scan the next day and it's all gone. And, uh, and, and we've all either heard stories about that or we've prayed that, uh, that that would happen for somebody uh, that we love. But my title uh, for tonight's message is this, Don't Expect the Impossible. Don't Expect uh, the Impossible. Now, don't misunderstand. God can do anything. But our problem is, is that we've come to expect Him to do so. And, and when we do that, uh, we, we, we err because uh, there are some things that, of course, that I'm going to point out. So we should not expect the impossible. Um, uh, of course, we have, we've had Bethany and Emma in town, and it's been a blessing. Uh, and, uh, but uh, I've, I've uh, exercised my no muscles um, uh, uh, quite frequently uh, over the course of time. No, no, don't touch that. No, 
uh, no, no, uh, and uh, and uh, and I can't, you know, I can't be like I'm gonna get, like no, and but if she needs, you know, a beating or whatever, I'm not gonna do it, uh, and because uh, I'm I'm uh, uh, the grandpa, uh, and uh, but so no, so if she's gonna reach out, like for example, I was grilling something yesterday, and we were in the yard, uh, and as she approached uh, the grill. Uh, it's, I mean, it's no, I'm jumping, Bethany's jumping at, which is, because we don't want her to touch it. Uh, and uh, you touch your hand to a hot object, um, you know, you should expect to be burned. <laughs> expect, you know, not expect not to be burned, because that's what happened. If it's hot and you touch it, uh, it's going to burn you. I've got marks all over me uh, from, I've got more cooking injuries than any other injuries, I think, uh, that I have uh, all these scars. You step off the roof of this building, uh, do not expect not to fall to the ground. I know I'm using a double negative, uh, but uh, you, you, we expect the impossible. Uh, but I'm saying don't. Uh, and uh, you plant a seed and it produces after its kind. So if you plant a, a, a watermelon, you know, expect watermelon to grow, uh, and uh, a corn stalk's not going to come up. If you, plant, if you plant rutabagas, I don't know why you would do that, <laughs> but, if, but in your ignorance, you decide to plant rutabagas, you're going to get rutabagas. Uh, that's the law, the, the, the law of sowing and reaping uh, that is in effect. So God is the God of law and order. Uh, he does, wants us to do everything decently in order. So his word declares in the spiritual realm law, that laws are just as fixed as uh, spiritual laws as, as physical laws are. The law of gravity, and you think of the laws of thermodynamics and all those different things, uh, there are spiritual laws. One of those is the law of sowing and reaping, uh, that, that it doesn't change. And by the way, it's in effect for lost people and saved people. It's a spiritual law. I've talked recently about the, uh, the, the chemistry of separation, the law, that that which is holy will always be profaned by that which is unholy. That's, that's what happens. If something that is holy comes in contact with something that is unholy, that which is holy always profaned. The holy thing never makes that which is unclean clean. And that's illustrated for us, uh, particularly in the Old Testament, uh, and uh, with, um, with all the laws concerning you know, uh, purity and cleansing and uh, things that the priests would offer. I mean, if it was blemished, it was blemished. You, just, you did away with it. Uh, if they uh, became unclean, they had to wash themselves in certain ways in certain places. Uh, it, was, it was strict. Uh, and, uh, and again, we'd all uh, be a mess if we had to deal uh, with all that information on a day-to-day basis. So spiritual laws revealed uh, for man to know, uh, comply. Uh, we need to comply with them in order to receive the blessings of God. So there's spiritual law. So he, God could make a watermelon grow on a corn stalk because he's God, but he won't because he has set in place a law uh, and that's what he goes by. He doesn't go against his own word. He doesn't go against uh, his, uh, you, know, uh, we, you know, we used to call it bookstore theology, uh, where we talk about all these ifs and, you know, uh, what, you know, could or could God do this? And could he make a rock so big that he couldn't pick it up? Or, uh, you know, all those crazy little things as we uh, are waxing philosophically. Uh, but as long as his laws are in effect, it is impossible for him to go against those laws. So God has chosen to work within the limits that he alone has set in place. Uh, and an example of those limits 
uh, are some of the things that Brother Getch had said, you know, uh, with, uh, with rotation, et cetera. And, and that stuff's fascinated me because, uh, you know, if, if, if the earth rotated, um, you know, faster, you know, uh, or slower, I mean, it's, uh, that's big stuff. Uh, and I like how one guy put it. Uh, they say, well, the earth is slowing, uh, or excuse me, the earth, uh, yeah, it's slowing at a certain rate, a measured rate each and every year. Uh, and so if you believe in an old earth like millions of years, if you just go back like 10,000 years, it had been spinning so fast, everything would have been flying off of it. And, uh, and, uh, but, uh, but uh, so all that stuff is interesting, illustrating a power for God. But he set those things in place. Uh, and, uh, and, and he did it by speaking a word. Uh, all of that order and all of that, uh, you know, the majesty of space and, and all of that, God chooses to work within the limits that he has set. So once again, uh, the message in this is do not expect the impossible. But God can do the impossible, but I'm saying don't expect. So what do you mean, what do I mean by that? Well, I think number one, I think sinners, <clears throat> people, um, often expect the impossible when it comes to, to God. Um, some expect to be saved by some mysterious uh, act of, uh, of, of God. The man, the man upstairs, uh, there's a higher being that uh, perhaps at one point, you know, uh, I mean, I may go to heaven, I hope so, uh, and they just think it's just there's no, there's no rhyme or reason to anything that God does. They don't know if, the, if God uh, is uh, who he is, where he is, what he does. Uh, is he male? Is he female? Uh, and uh, we got all kinds of crazy stuff. I was just talking to somebody the other day about uh, um, the gender neutral um, Bibles and, uh, and how they've changed all that stuff. And it's been, it's been happening like systematically over time with things like uh, the NIV and other other types of versions. Uh, so uh, and uh, but now it's like full on. They have like in 2011, I believe, uh, the uh, new Inter- new international version came out with a completely gender neutral Bible. Uh, and um, it's nonsense, of course, obviously. But that's the day that we live. There's so much skepticism, uh, and uh, and uh, so people think you know. Uh, that they're going to get to heaven some way, some mysterious thing. You can't, you can't know, Pastorino. You can't know for sure uh, if your way is the right way. Uh, but there's only one way to be saved, uh, and we know that to be by grace through faith. From Ephesians chapter number two, verse number eight: From grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourselves; it's a gift of God. Uh, of course, not of works, lest any man should boast. We need to believe the word of God concerning Jesus as our Savior. With the heart, man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth. Confession is made unto salvation, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall uh, be saved. God is no respecter of persons, uh, and uh, in what he's done for me, he's done for everyone. That's why uh, when he says that, uh, that he's not willing that any should perish, and when I say he loves, he, he loves everybody, uh, into that, the fact that he wants them to be saved, not everybody is, are God's children. Uh, if you're not saved, you're under condemnation. And because a person who's not saved is under condemnation, it is our responsibility to tell them that they are. Not because we are better than them, not because we want to hurt their feelings or whatever, but, uh, but and here's the thing, if, when I tell somebody, give somebody the gospel, and I talk about sin and what sin has done and how sin needs to be paid for, 
Uh, if, 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 I, if they're getting mad at me for condemning them, I know I'm on the right track. They just don't understand the difference between Holy Spirit conviction uh, and getting mad at you know, uh, you know, the messenger uh, and uh, uh, who is delivering that news to them. But I'd much rather have somebody like arguing with me about you know, me condemning them than somebody just, hey, you know what, you know, thank you, but no, thank you. Uh, and uh, I've got something on the stove, and I got kids, and you know whatever. And there's all the time the body language. You're halfway in; they're looking over their shoulder. Uh, they're just like leaning the other way. Uh, and uh, and so I've even at times I've said, you know, you're giving me every every body language thing you want me to go, uh, and I and I've noticed it. And uh, and that usually goes over like a lead balloon. Uh, and uh, but uh, but I would much rather have somebody like. So what you're telling me is that I'm a sinner and I'm going to go to hell. That's exactly what I'm telling you. Uh, and but here's the good news. There's good news because there's bad news. Uh, and Jesus has provided payment for your sin. Uh, and and when you get to that point with somebody, most of the time, if God, especially if God's in it, uh, things turn. Uh, and uh, because you can talk about what God has done for them. Uh, and so some expect to be saved by some mysterious act of God. Some expect to be saved apart from obedience to the gospel. Again, I'll, I'll preach on this maybe another night. But in 2 Thessalonians chapter number 1 and verses 8 and 9, the Bible says this, "...in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God, and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ." Uh, who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and the glory of his power. Now we know that receiving Jesus Christ, that salvation is a gift from God. But when the Bible says, obey not the gospel, kind of in a nutshell, so I don't leave you hanging too much. Um, uh, God, um, in his sovereignty, his eternal plan, what he has done uh, in providing Jesus Christ as the payment uh, for our sins. Uh, and uh, and when, we, when we go to the Lord in salvation, we obey the gospel and the fact that part of getting saved is, uh, is a reverence for uh, and an obedience to what God said one must do to be saved. And so when somebody rejects the gospel, there's that aspect of it, but they're also disobeying the gospel. They're not obeying the gospel that God uh, has provided. Uh, and so it's not meaning that they have to do something or like it's a work salvation. In today's day and time, in churches like ours, as they give the gospel, uh, what they're essentially doing is having people make mental assent to the fact that, that God is God and Jesus is you know, uh, who he is, uh, and they believe on God, uh, and, uh, but they don't repent uh, of their sin. Uh, and, uh, and it's just a, it's a, a terrible twisting of the gospel message uh, that Jesus came and he died. Why did he die? What did he die for? Uh, what did he take your place for? He's the propitiation, the substitute for what? And, uh, and so God help every soul winner uh, that, uh, that skips over the fact that one needs a savior and the reason for it to get into just call upon the name of the Lord and ask him to save you. Uh, we sometimes refer to that uh, is easy believism. Uh, I more refer that to uh, easy prayerism, uh, and a lot of people uh, do that. 
but the gospel declares the fate of the disobedient. I read that. Uh, we are, if we obey not the gospel, God, God longs for reconciliation. Uh, he is not willing that any should perish. Uh, some think that they're not going to give an account for their life uh, and for the things that they've done, but the word of God makes it clear uh, that we will all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. So the question for people is, do they have their, have their sins been covered by the atoning blood of Jesus Christ? And uh, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. There are people who, who, who expect the impossible. Uh, you, you know, well, you know, I know that's what the Bible says, but, you know, I've been a Catholic for 30 years. You're expecting to go to heaven on the impossible because you can't get there through any other means except Jesus Christ. Uh, and, uh, and so if, uh, you know, which gets me into the second point, uh, Christians expect the impossible uh, when it comes to the local church. Kind of thinking about uh, some of the things that I made, uh, comments I made this morning about soul winning and growth. Many expect churches to grow uh, without putting any forth, forth any effort uh, in that whole thing. But growth's not going to come just because we wish it to happen. I don't think there's anybody in here who, who doesn't um, hope for more people to be saved. I don't want to use the word wish. Uh, but we want people to be saved. I don't think there's anybody who's like, I don't want anybody to be saved. I mean, I've noticed people like, you know, they want the church to grow until somebody sits in their seat, you know, uh, gets parks in their parking spot, you know, come in, it's like, hey, you're in my seat. Uh, and I'm like, oh, please don't. Uh, and, uh, and so, I mean, I've seen all of that. Uh, but, but we just can't hope for it to happen. It'll only come when we work. The Bible says, in Ephesians 4, verse 16, for whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which the, every joint supplieth, according to the effectual working uh, in the measure of every part, maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. It, that's, it, it's the plan. Many uh, people think that churches are going to grow uh, if, the, if the preacher's fired up. I mean, I've heard it put this way. Um, if you light the pulpit on fire, people come watch it burn. You know, so maybe a fiery preacher and just people will come, uh, come out. But what does the Bible say about preaching to them that are lost? It's foolishness to them. You know what's, what, what lost people think is even crazier than, than, than um, a Bible preaching preacher? A fired up one. That's even crazier. And uh, you really believe that? Man, that guy's like, uh, he's out of control. Uh, and have you seen that? Most people, like if you being saved, you can be saved for 10, 20, 30, 40 years. Uh, we had a, a gentleman next door stand. His name is Brother Tony Shirley. Brother Tony Shirley pastors New Man of Baptist Church in North Carolina, and it's a camp meeting church. And so they have an order of service that they never keep. Uh, and it's just, it's full on. When they sing, their choirs sing in the South. They, they sing at the top of their, their lungs, and it's just, and it's just, and, it, and it's something if you went to, if, if we just loaded everybody up and we went to a camp meeting service, you'd be, you would be freaked out. And you've been saved and you're a Christian. Can you imagine if a lost person goes in that? What they'll think? The preaching of, of the cross is so, so I don't believe that if, if uh, you know, uh, if I light the pulpit on fire, people are going to come watch it, watch it burn. Uh, but that's some people's church growth plan. 
Uh, and uh, we just need a fired up preacher or a great music program or an exciting youth ministry or uh, beautiful facilities. And not that any of those things are bad, but, uh, but like say we had visitors today. Every, every you know, Sunday we have somebody that shows up here that, uh, that doesn't, they're not a member here. And I never ask them, so what are you looking for in a church? Because I really don't care. I just really don't. Because that's not, that's not what, what things are, that's not what it's all about. The consumer-based church. Where the, uh, you know, I want to say, okay, this is our church. What do you bring into the table? What are your gifts? You know what tithing is, right? You know, I mean, those are the questions that I want to throw out there. What are you going to do? You know, I've, I've said this, you know what, church has got enough people sitting doing nothing. I don't want one more. They're like, what? You don't want me to come? No, I don't want you to come and sit. Somebody's already got that job. So uh, it's, it's not about those types of things, but growth is the result of God's people being obedient to the truth. Uh, and, uh, but too many expect interest to grow without doing anything. They expect attendance to increase without inviting people and encouraging other people to come. What would happen if, on a weekly basis, 20, 30, 40 people from our church actively pursuing uh, people on their prayer list, people at work, hey man, come to work, or excuse me, come to church with me this Sunday. I'll buy you lunch. This place would be full every Sunday. But what we do, and, and you know what happens, and I'll, I'll, I'll admit to it at, at first, there's been many times where we've had friend days. I've invited people and people have come, but there's been, there's been times where we've had that and I've not invited people, and here's why I didn't invite anybody, because I'm tired of inviting people and other people don't. So I'm just not going to do it this time. And, and I'm, just, I'm just being transparent. That's how I have felt about it. When, when we first started at New Heights Baptist, uh, we had our launch day, uh, and then we had a big day, a friend day, and that's what the church primer, uh, church planting primer said. So three months after your launch day, promote a big day, and it was friend day, invite people. I bought like stuff like from Grace for Christian Living, um, spent a bunch of money on gifts to give people if you brought so many visitors and blah, blah, blah. Uh, we had 58 people on our grand opening Sunday. Uh, we pushed and pushed. I must have passed out 10,000 um, flyers invited people. I had 11 first-time visitors show up that Sunday, uh, and we had 43. And, uh, and, and that, was the, that was the moment that I stopped counting church attendance because it was too much for me to handle. I wanted to quit. I labored and labored and labored and invited and invited and, and had fruit from that labor. But not, there wasn't another soul that came that was invited uh, by the people of that church. And it killed me. But that type of mentality is, it's a systemic problem in independent Baptist churches. It just is. Somebody else is going to invite somebody. Somebody else is going to bring a friend. Somebody else is going to uh, do, you know, do it. It's the same person at your house that breaks everything. And your kids say, somebody else did it. And, uh, and so we can't, we can't live by that. Uh, we, you know, we can't expect neighbors and friends and coworkers and family to be saved without confronting them with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're expecting the impossible. It's like, I know they need to be saved, but we're, like we're by osmosis or if we just will it to be, 
uh, or we just hope. Here's one of the saddest things that Christians say to me as a pastor. Uh, pastor, I want you know, my mom or my dad or somebody to be saved, but I just can't, I just can't witness to them. Why? And, and now, mind you, there are, there are times where, you know, um, people get, like, when I first got saved, I'd leave, I'd, you know, my parents were uh, not doing well and, uh, and, uh, and going through a divorce, and I would, I would uh, highlight verses in my Bible about divorce and leave it on the kitchen table. And uh, doing everything the wrong way. And, and so there are going to be times where you ostracize people because of, of how, perhaps, you communicate the gospel, uh, but you got to witness to them. They're not going to like me. Um, we can go verse by verse over all kinds, of, all kinds of places in the Bible that says that's irrelevant. And the fact, you know, the Bible says we're to hate father, mother, and sister, and brother. So take up our cross and follow, uh, follow them. If, you, uh, if, if you have a secret relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ in such a way that people in your family don't know you're a Christian, or don't, well, they should expect. It's like, hey, um, Bobby's coming over today for lunch. Oh, great. He's going to talk about Jesus. I had some in my office just a couple weeks ago, uh, and uh, I had not heard as many swear words uh, in a long time as what I'd heard in my office. And, uh, and, and unapologetically, uh, most time people, because I'm a preacher, they'll swear, and they'll go, oh, I'm sorry, uh, I'm sorry, reverend. I didn't even get any of that. And so, but at one point, I addressed it. Because took the Lord's name in vain. And so I addressed it and I said, here's, yeah, so I'm going to make a deal with you. I said, I'm not going to get offended if you curse, if, if, you, if you don't get offended if I talk about Jesus. How's that? All right. <laughs> and he's like, you know, uh, and, uh, and it's just, um, uh, you just got to put it out there uh, in order, um, you know, we can't expect the impossible when it comes to local church. And so when he, and then individuals, lastly, I think people, Christians, just often expect the impossible uh, with God. They expect to be strong spiritually, to be able to uh, overcome temptation and, uh, and just kind of, uh, you know, I think I can, I think I can through their difficulties without applying the principle of God's word in their lives. They're expecting God to do the impossible. If we fail to take the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, uh, we're going to have a difficult tr- time um, fighting spiritual battles. If we neglect to pray, Ephesians 6, verse 18, uh, then, then uh, we're going to have a difficult time overcoming uh, temptation. If we pe- fail to put on the whole armor of God, the Bible says we're going to be unable to stand. Faith must be based on knowledge from God's Word. So, uh, so people expect to, be, to grow spiritually, with, without exercising the disciplines that will get them stronger. Um, you know, um, there's a, a preacher in California. Uh, I preach for them, and, and they, you know, everybody on their staff, they go to CrossFit and whatever. He's like, um, you know, many of you, some of you know him, is Brother Chris Chadwick. And so uh, Brother Chris Chadwick, uh, he's like, I don't know, six-something, whatever, and he's, big, he's a big guy, and he's a, a power lifter. And so he's just like, you know, uh, you know, he just, he, that's just how he is. He's just big and strong or whatever. And I, and I watched him on Twitter a couple weeks ago. He's in the, in the gym, uh, and, he, and, he, and he did one of the things that they do. It was like 40-some inches, like 47 inches up onto uh, uh, a platform with his, I mean, it was impressive. And, uh, but the reason that he can do that 
is because he, he does it all the time. He's working out. He's, in, he's increasing uh, in strength and stuff and stuff. And, and, uh, and that's, just how you, that's just how you do it. Uh, if you don't, you know, the saying is you don't use it, you lose it. Your muscles atrophy. And, uh, and, uh, and so it's important for us to, to do that. So if you want to get stronger, you've gotta, uh, you have to, you have to, to lift and to do those things. And, and, and spiritually speaking, we expect to be spiritual giants Without reading our Bible, without praying, we just, we're just like coasting through and we struggle. It's no wonder we can't get victory because, because we're expecting the impossible. We like throw verses back at God like, like he meant, you know, oh, his grace is sufficient. Like we don't have to confess anything or even try. Um, you know, God knows. God's got this. No, he, he does, yes. But you got to do your part. You know, um, if you got some type of sin, whether it's a, a, a you know whatever in the eyes of God, sin is sin. But some you know, in our eyes, some sins are worse than others. And in in you just you know you can't just will it away. You can't just say, God, would you take away my desire to do A, B, C, whatever? Just take it away. I'm tired of it. I don't want to do it. Uh, God, what God says is no. Um, you put your body under subjection. That's the principle. And then I'll give you grace to deal with it in strength and power. It's not just, you know, take it away. I've been, I, you know, I've been trying to quit smoking for 30 years and, and, and God hasn't taken my desire to smoke away. Guess what? He ain't gonna. You just got to stop. In, in, in want, I mean, we can say, is God bigger than your cigarettes and all the different things? I mean, I've, I've, said, I've said it every which way I can to people. Surgeon General, uh, you know, uh, you're not the smoker, you're the sucker. Uh, you know, and uh, I mean, I've tried everything, but the people who want to quit uh, are, the, are the ones that try. And, uh, and it's amazing uh, when you just when you don't buy them uh, and uh, uh, you can't smoke them. Uh, and uh, so uh, people expect satisfaction without being fully committed to the cause of the Lord. And uh, and we enjoy I mean, I've got to uh, hurry here, but we expect joy from worship. Uh, when we don't put anything into worship. Um, we, we come to church for the wrong reasons. We, you know, uh, we're looking for... If, by the way, if you look for something wrong in a church, you're going to find it. Uh, and, uh, uh, but we should come to worship God and, uh, and to serve Him and, uh, and, uh, and not like, okay, what am I going to receive, but what can I do and how can I be a blessing? And, uh, and I said this a couple weeks ago, and I might uh, teach on this maybe on a Sunday night or whatever, but uh, a visitor sitting by themselves is an emergency or should be an emergency in a local church. But I've watched, you know, people, and, 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 and to them, we might be a super friendly church. Because several people had shaken their hands or whatever, and they come in the door. Somebody needs to sit by them. Somebody needs to, you know, uh, take them out to the uh, to the the table. The other day, I said, you know, if there's somebody that you don't know is here, then you know, you push them up or you take them through the. I mean, I gave you a green light to grab a visitor and go to the front of the line. And there were visitors that were all the way in the back that never went forward. They're not going to do that. Would you do that? Would you, if you were at a strange place, would you just jump up in front of the line in front of everybody? No, but, but my, my point is, is that those things aren't going to happen by themselves. We have to do that. So we don't get visitors cards on people. It's, it's been an epidemic the entire time. You know, how can we have visitors and no visitors cards? And uh, because we don't have people that are getting them from them. And I've done it, it's like, okay, 
if you're, if you're going to pass out a visitor's packet, go inside, take the pen out that's in the visitor's packet and put it in your pocket. And then you go up to somebody and, and you say, here's this and here's the visitor and we like this and here's a visitor's card for you to fill out. And then you take the pen that was in that packet and you pull it out of your pocket and hand it to them and wait. Because they want to give you, the, you know, your pen back. Now you know you're going to give it to them. But that's how you get it done. But we just have to, we just have to do it. We have, I don't know how many hundreds of visitors uh, have gone through this church that we have no idea uh, who they are because we, because we, you know, we just expect the impossible. And what I'm saying is let's not expect that. Um, let's live and work by the things that God has taught us to do to listen to his truth and apply it to our life. So are we expecting the impossible? If we, if, uh, of course, if someone's here that's not saved, that we, you know, on a Sunday night, I'm just saying there could be somebody who's not saved. Uh, the only way you get to heaven is through the, uh, the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, but if you're expecting God's blessings in your life without living in accordance to his word, you're, then you're expecting the impossible. In those times where you're out of sorts with God and God seems to bless anyways, um, you're not anything special, kind of like Jonah. God gave him a gourd, gave him a vine, right? And, and it takes those blessings, they come and they go. It rains on the just and the unjust. Uh, and uh, in, in what we can do is we can have, you know, uh, blessings financially, and we can be, you know, we have our jobs going, our kids are, you know, um, they're doing well in school and minding you, and, uh, and uh, your relationship is going well, and, uh, and we, can, we can get into this type of, uh, of, of a place where, uh, where we don't even apply the principles of the Word of God because we feel like we don't need to. Uh, and that's one of the most dangerous places for us to be as a Christian. We just expect God to do all these things without us doing our part. Uh, and so it's, it's God, God can do anything. He can fix your marriage if you're the sorriest excuse for a human being. God can do a miracle. Your wife could be hovering over you at night with a frying pan ready to, you know, to, to send you off into eternity and God stop her. And, uh, and, uh, and you live and, uh, and, uh, and you get help and, and God can, and you can, there's been a lot of times where God has done those. He can do the impossible, but you can't just expect God to intervene without putting any work in. You just can't, but we do that. In whatever, whatever aspect of your life you do that in, I'm just saying just stop. Stop expecting God to do the impossible. Uh, and uh, when he does, praise the Lord. Um, but your lost uncle that lives in, you know, Chattanooga, Tennessee, um, probably isn't going to get saved unless you tell him about the gospel. Could somebody in Chattanooga happen upon his house and knock on his door, some soul winner, see him at, at uh, you know, uh, I don't know what grocery store they'd have down there, uh, Piggly Wiggly or I don't know, uh, and, uh, and give him a gospel tract? Certainly. Um, but wouldn't it just be kind of um, easier for you to pick up the phone and call him? And say, hey, you know, I love you. I do. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm a Christian, right? Yes, I do. And uh, so I just want to tell you that Jesus loves you. Uh, and, uh, and I love you, and, and, I, and I need to tell you that Jesus loves you, and here's what he's, what he's done for you. 
Uh, and, uh, and if you think, you know, you only talk to them once every couple years anyway, and uh, that just might be what they need or he needs or she needs uh, it for God to use for them to be saved. Um, but there's, I don't know. There's just, I don't know the, the heart and the mind of God, and he's not willing. But I know that he, we're stubborn, and it could be full. It could be that there's people in our life that aren't saved, that God is waiting for us um, to, to witness to them. Uh, and uh, so I just, if you just go on that, so I, if, if somebody's going to, I'm going to go do that. And, um, and you ought to just thank God. If they're on the prayer list, you're not witnessing every day. Thank God that God had enough mercy to keep them breathing uh, while you expect him to do the impossible. Uh, and, uh, and then after you're done thanking him for the, the extra day that he gave your Uncle Joe, then you get on the phone or write him something, whatever you got to do. Go to his house and say, you know what? I've been praying for you on our prayer list. And I've been waiting for somebody else to tell you this, but I can't wait any longer. You need to be saved. And um, that's why God has us here. And so, so uh, yes, God can do, um, but let's not expect him to. Let's all stand, and, and we're going to pray tonight. Maybe uh, there's an impossible situation that you know of in your life that you're praying for, and God's got to intervene.